Uh, Genesis chapter 1. Now, we're going to talk uh, today, as Pastor mentioned, we're going to talk about the transgender issue. How many of you have heard in the news about transgenderism and transgendered people? Okay, all right, very good. Um, and uh, basically a biblical response. You know, um, uh, I, I have found that we're, we're, not going to, um, we're not going to do a good job of winning people with um, uh, sometimes what I might consider to be crass arguments. Okay, it's, you know, uh, for example, you know, we could say, well, you know, in the beginning, God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. And although that's quite humorous and that's, you know, a a cute way of saying it, uh, you're not going to win anybody over with that kind of argument. Um, And although I agree with that statement, okay, nobody's won with that. Okay, and and I think I think that it's important for Christians to really understand the issues um, in order to help people. I mean, because when we're talking about transgendered people, we're talking about transgenderism, we are talking about people. And we're talking about people who need the truth, people who need the gospel, and people who need to know what God has said. And if we, if we divorce the fact that we're talking about people in need of the truth from uh, the issue itself... Well, you know, we could really end up offending people, and we certainly don't want to do that. We don't want to offend someone away from the gospel. The gospel, the cross, the message of the cross is an offense in and of itself, but we don't need to be offensive uh, in the way that we present it. And so that's why I think that uh, looking at this issue is going to be very important. Now, let's look at uh, Genesis chapter 1, and uh, let's look down at verse number 27 uh, to begin, Okay. Genesis 1, 27, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Notice if you would over in chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse number 18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. Now notice it doesn't say and help meet. It says he would make a helper that is meet, that is fitting or suitable for him. Uh, And so he's making someone uh, for him. And so uh, notice, if you would please, uh, all the animals of the earth do not are not suitable to be the help for Adam that he needed. Verse 21, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Uh, Verse 25, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. All right, now one thing that we can see from these passages here is that in the beginning, God created male and female. There are two genders and only two genders of the human race. Um, that is true for all of God's creation. There is male and there is female. Now, um, this is not uh, the point of our discussion here this morning, but uh, male and female are created equal. 
They are both, get this now, male and female, both uh, bear the image of God. Notice he says in chapter 1, verse 27, so God created man, that's mankind, in his own image, in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. So male and female, they both bear the image of God. Now, the image of God is essentially, uh, basically, that mankind is a representative of God to the creation, and mankind is like God in some way. That is the most basic form or basic idea about what it means to bear the image of God. So do you know this? That we learn things about God from the male gender. There are things about God that we can know from the male gender. Why? Because the male gender represents God to the creation, and he is like God in some way. But do you know that we learn things about God from the female gender as well? Do you know the Bible talks about God's tenderness, God's gentleness? Uh, he talks about, uh, the Bible talks about God nourishing and cherishing. Those are things that we don't tend to apply to the male gender, But those are characteristics and aspects that we think of when we think of the female gender. Male and female, both, um, do communicate to us something about God. And so both genders are important and both genders are significant. Now, the transgender movement or transgender people uh, uh, disagree with this. They disagree with this idea and they would believe that someone who is born of the male gender can transform themselves into the female gender and vice versa. Someone who is born uh, of a female gender can transform themselves into the male gender. Now, um, we're going to address that and we're going to look at some of those claims here in just a moment, but I'd like to start with some definitions of terms, okay? All right, so let's talk about some terms. Now, I am, uh, I, I, you know, the Bible is where we're going to be looking at a lot of points, but I read a book this uh, actually about a year and a half ago, and it was called When Harry Became Sally, okay? When Harry Became Sally. It's by a guy named Ryan Anderson. Ryan Anderson is an evangelical, which means I, I believe he believes the gospel. Um, he's not a fundamentalist, okay? And uh, he's not necessarily writing the book from a Christian perspective, although he's writing it from a conservative perspective. It's excellent. Very good. Um, and he, he does a lot. He quotes the people who are transgender activists, okay, uh, who are pushing this agenda that we should just basically accept the fact that a man can become a woman and a woman can become a man. He quotes them, and you get their very words in this book. Uh, it's just an excellent, excellent book. It will really help you to understand. So some of this stuff, uh, you might hear me quote Anderson, that's who I mean, but there are other people as well. Well, what does the Bible say about this? Well, let's talk about terminology first. Transgender movement terminology, okay? Um, five terms, okay? Five terms that I want to give you uh, that I think will help us to understand this, okay? Here's the first term, all right? Now, this, this term, uh, don't take it out of context here, but this term is the term sex or biological sex. That is sometimes a term that is thrown around or used in the transgender movement. Now, what do we mean by that? Well, what we talk about when we talk about biological sex or just the term sex is we're talking about, well, as the term says, biology. We're talking about anatomy, okay? In Genesis uh, chapter 2, when God brings the woman, okay, God brings the woman to Adam, Adam looks at her and it is, she is noticeably different than he is. Okay, notice what uh, Genesis chapter 1 and verse, um, 
Number 28 says, okay, and God blessed them and God said unto them, this is to the male and the female, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Now, um, in order, that's why when you get to Genesis chapter 2, when God is looking for a suitable helper for Adam, Adam had a job to do, and part of his job to do was to go out and be fruitful and multiply, and he couldn't do that by himself. Okay, so God's design for the male and the female gender involves anatomy. Now, transgender people will talk about that term. They'll use the word sex. They'll use the term biological sex. That is the biological makeup or composition of a person. That is, our bodies are organized a certain way for reproduction. Did you know that bearing children is not the curse of sin? In fact, if God was telling Adam and Eve both to reproduce, to replenish and multiply, God had a specific design for the male, God had a specific design for the female in order to carry out that mandate. Um, So God's plan from the very beginning was that the female gender would bear children. Now that's talking about anatomy. Is everybody with me so far? Okay, on that? Okay, all right, good. Um, All right, so the term uh, biological sex, or sometimes just the term sex, is a term that they use to refer to our bodies. That is our anatomy. Now, um, transgender activists prefer the term sex assigned at birth. Because they do not want to actually admit that what they are um, by their bodies is what they are in reality. So they like the term sex assigned at birth. That is, oh, some doctor just put that label on you when you were born. Okay, well, uh, that's their side, and we're going to talk a little bit more about their opinion. Uh, but that's a term that we should be familiar with, okay? So they would distinguish. Now, 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 when we use the term sex or gender, okay, see, we are using that term to be synonymous, right? We, we, and it's the same thing. If we say gender, the male gender, or we say the male sex, we're talking about the same thing, but not so with them. Okay, and I think that's important for us to recognize, okay? Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a slight distinction, but I think it is important. Okay, so if, if, if they mean something different uh, by that term, then what, okay, that's the first term, which is sex, then they, mis- they must mean something different by the term gender. Yes, they do. Okay, the second term is the term gender. Um, gender refers to attitudes, feelings, and behaviors that a culture associates with a person's biological sex. So in other words, what are, the, what, are the, what are some of the attitudes, feelings, and behaviors that we assign to the female uh, sex, as we'll, we'll take their term, okay? What are some of the attitudes uh, and um, behaviors or feelings? Okay, let's take one that's maybe somewhat traditional, okay? Can we say that? What would be a behavior uh, that we would think that is um, uh, traditional or characteristic of the female sex? What, what would be a behavior or a lifestyle that we would so- sometimes associate with that? Okay, yeah, okay, taking care of the kids, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. So what else? What's that? Yeah, makeup. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, wearing makeup. Yeah, very good. In other words, that would be a behavior. Uh, yeah, very good. Yeah, excellent, excellent. What, what, what else? What are the kind of behaviors or things would we assign would think? This is t- typical of the female sex. What, what, what else would, would we think? Tender-hearted. 
Tenderhearted, compassionate, yeah, okay, appearances would be kind of a big deal. Those are things that we think of. Is it, is it, do you understand what I mean by that? Okay, so in other words, uh, sex then has to refer to anatomy or biology, and gender would have to do with, um, you know, feelings and attitudes of behavior that just happen to correspond with your anatomy, okay? Now, the reason why the transgender movement distinguishes those two is because they want to say that you can have the anatomy of one but have the attitudes and feelings of the other. Do you see? Do you understand what they're doing? Okay, but see, we need to understand the terms that they're using because it's very important to see how they've gotten to this point. Okay, Um, by this definition then, gender is something that you express. Okay, but I'd like to just point out here Makeup. Okay, excellent. Okay, makeup. Um, wearing makeup. That, when has that, or maybe it has at some point, um, has that ever been uh, something that was characteristic specifically of the male gender, of someone who was biologically and anatomically a male? Um, Uh, There are behaviors, attitudes, feelings that are characteristic of us because of our anatomy. Now, we're not even going to get into the full science that you are what you are down to the very molecules. You are what you are, uh, you know, at the moment of conception. You are what you are, and your development is set on a path from the very moment of conception. Um, uh, All of your DNA, everything, is coded uh, that way. Um, but but what, what we're still doing here is we're still saying, okay, I am biologically a male. Someone says, I am biologically a male, but I have the attitudes, feelings, and then therefore the behaviors of someone who is opposite of that. Um, we're still agreeing that there are only two genders to a point here. Does this make sense? Um, okay, so th- those two. All right, here's the third thing, okay? Uh, the third term that we want to be familiar with is gender identity, okay? Gender identity. Um, gender identity refers to a person's self-perception, okay? That is how a person sees or views themselves or feels themselves to be, um, whether they are male or female, masculine or feminine. Uh, Sometimes uh, this gender identity is referred to as an inner sense of self, okay? Um, I feel myself to be this, Okay, um, it, it really it really describes how someone feels, not what someone actually is. Okay, so when we so when someone talks about gender identity, what they mean is this is how that person feels, or this is what they feel that they are. Does that make sense to you? Um, uh, okay, so gender identity number four, fourth term. Okay, gender dysphoria. Okay, dysphoria is D-Y-S-P-H-O-R-I-A. Okay, dysphoria. One of these days I'll, I'll get into the 21st century and have PowerPoint, but uh, <laughs> for now, um, old school, all right? Gender dysphoria. Okay, now what is dysphoria? Okay, now you'd be familiar. You would be familiar with other dysphorias, okay? That's a psychological term. You'd be familiar with others. Have you ever heard of anorexia? Okay, okay, so anorexia nervosa is a psychological term, uh, and it's describing a dysphoria. That is, it is a psychological condition where 
someone uh, doesn't view reality as it actually is. Okay, let me uh, make sure this is... So when we talk about gender dysphoria, um, that is the distress that is associated with thinking there is a mismatch between the gender and the biological sex. Okay, now can now just pause for you for a moment, okay? Could you imagine how distressing that might feel to someone to know that you have a particular anatomy, but to think or feel that you are actually something else? Can you, can, I mean, can you at least admit that there would be stress and pressure um, because of that? Okay, the same thing for someone who is anorexic. You look at that person and you think they're skin and bones. They look in the mirror and they see themselves as fat or overweight. Okay, they aren't viewing things based on objective reality. They're viewing themselves based on how they feel. You see? Um, Okay, so gender dysphoria has to do with this psychological distress mental distress that happens because they have the body of one, but they feel or think that they are actually another. Is that is, okay? So you're with me so far there. Um, now, I, I would like to point out here that just as anorexia is a, a genuine experience, in other words, there are people who actually experience that kind of distress, okay, and psychological distress, so do people experience gender dysphoria, in other words, the experience of it, if I can use that word, is no more is not is not lessened because it isn't true. Okay. Um, uh, uh, um, did you ever were you ever so certain about something only to find out on the other side that it wasn't true and that left you a little bit confused? Um, you know, uh, in um, in November of 2012, the day after the election, um, I experienced that a little bit um, when I woke up and wondered if I knew what country I was living in. But um, anyway, um, uh, so sometimes you're so convinced that something is true, then you find out, oh, it wasn't true after all. You, you can be a little bit confused by that. Um, and this is what these people are experiencing. People who experience gender dysphoria are confused. And, and it's, but it, it is a real psychological distress. I think we need to recognize that. Um, uh, here's the fifth term, okay? The fifth term here is the term transgender, okay? Transgender. Now, the, the term transgender is kind of like an umbrella term, all right? It, it doesn't apply to any one specific action or behavior. It's, it's a very umbrella term um, for the state or the condition of identifying with or expressing a gender that does not match the person's biological sex. Okay, now however they do that, sometimes people will sometimes people will uh, cut their hair differently and wear different clothing. Okay, uh, that you could refer to that as kind of an element of transgender. Sometimes it goes farther, and uh, sometimes it goes to the point where they are taking hormones uh, of the opposite sex in order to. transition their bodies. Sometimes there are people who have had surgeries, okay, in order to change their bodies, okay? So any, in other words, that term transgender really applies to all of those categories, all right? So if there is a person who is expressing themselves, again, attitudes, feelings, behaviors, that are different than their biological sex, that person is transgendered, 
Okay, does that make sense? Um, okay, but it's an umbrella term that really applies to all. Now, um, not now just because someone is struggling with gender dysphoria does not make them transgendered. Okay? Just because someone is struggling with, I'm the body of this type, but I think or feel like I'm the other, that does not make them a transgendered person. A transgender has to do that they are acting on those feelings and actually living as the opposite sex. Does that make sense? Okay, so someone can experience gender dysphoria but not be a transgender person. I think we need to be, I think we need to be at least be aware of that. Um, and uh, listen, um, uh, just because somebody, just because someone is a transgendered person doesn't make them an activist. Okay, it doesn't mean that they're out there pushing that agenda that everybody should be this way or that everybody should just accept them as that way. Just because they are living that way doesn't make them an activist for the transgender movement. Okay, they're not out there pushing, you know, bathroom bills and, you know, things like that that we read about in North Carolina and being in the dressing room of the op. They're not necessarily out there pushing that. And I think we ought to be mindful of that too. Um, okay, but those are, I think, the five terms that kind of help us. All right, now, five terms. Sex, gender, gender identity, gender dysphoria, transgender. All right, now what are the claims of the transgender movement? Okay, what, what do they claim uh, to be true? Uh, and then we're going to take the rest of our time to talk about that, and then we will uh, talk about um, uh, a response to these claims uh, in the next hour, okay? Uh, so here, here, here's, here's the first claim uh, as far as uh, a transgender worldview, okay? Uh, here's the first one. Biological sex... And gender identity can be opposite of one another. Okay, all right. Now remember, biological sex, that's anatomy. And gender identity, attitudes, behaviors, and feelings, those things can be the opposite of one another. Okay? Listen to, um, you can carry the anatomy of one sex, male or female, but in some sense, you recognize yourself to be the opposite of that. Okay, here are some quotations. Um, uh, according to the Trans Students Educational Resources, by the way, this is an educational resource that is provided to public schools or to any other schools who are interested in uh, understanding how to deal with transgendered students. Okay, this is in the grade school level, all right, K through 12. Um, trans Students Educational Resources. Biological sex is an ambiguous word that has no scale and no meaning besides that it is related to some biological sexual characteristics. Okay, so to say, uh, to say the term biological sex, they say that is ambiguous. It doesn't really mean anything. Okay, um, it's vague as to what we mean when we say biological sex. That's, that's the resource that they're giving to public schools in K through 12, how to deal with their transgendered students. Um, uh, we prefer, it goes on to say, the term sex assigned at birth. Uh, so you're not to ask a student what their biological sex is. You're to say, what sex were you assigned at birth? What label did that doctor put on you? Okay, uh, that's the way you're to approach it. Um, one, uh, Vaughn Roberts, uh, in his book on transgenderism, states that there is a slogan amongst transgenders <clears throat> that says this, anatomy is not destiny. Anatomy is not destiny. So what you are by anatomy doesn't mean that's what you actually have to be. 
Okay, uh, and again, I, I, just understanding here that what they're saying is that you can have the biology, you can have the anatomy of one sex, but you can actually be the gender of another or feel yourself to be the gender of another. Um, again, we will respond to these claims in the next hour. The claim goes even further, though, uh, and here's the second claim. It's not just a matter that your biological anatomy and how you feel about it or identify can be different. Here's the second claim, is that whatever gender a person feels they are or claims that they are is what they are, okay? So it's not a matter of just that a person feels this way. No, if a person feels that way, that is what they are, okay? Um, This is quoting, um, and um, by the way, that's that's why there's this fight, or at least if you've read in the news, there's this fight everywhere about the pronoun use, that they want you to refer, if, if it's a lady, but she identifies as a man, they want you to refer the terms he and his and use the correct pronouns when you're talking to that person, okay? That, that's what this fight is all about. Uh, the human rights campaign, uh, you know, which is um, laughable, uh, okay, here is a quote by them. Contrasting transgender people with real biological men and women is a false comparison. They are real men and women. Okay, so a transgendered man is actually a female that identifies as a man. A transgendered woman is a man who identifies uh, as a woman. Okay, Um But they would say here that you shouldn't say biological male versus a transgendered man. No, because a transgendered man is a man. But that's a female who's identifying as a man. Do you understand what I'm saying here? But this is the claim. I mean, I just want you to understand the claims that they're making, okay? Because they claim, first and foremost, that you can have the anatomy of one, but you can actually have the attitudes, feelings, and behaviors of another, they, they say that, and it's not just even that, it's just that if you feel and have these, be- then that is what you are. Uh, if you feel like a man, you are a man. Um, uh, here's a quotation from Dr. Deanna Adkins. She is the professor at Duke University School of Medicine. Duke University School of Medicine. It is counter to medical science to use chromosomes, hormones, internal reproductive organs, external genitalia, or secondary sex characteristics to override gender identity for the purposes of classifying someone as male or female. It is counter to medical science to use chromosomes, hormones, and let's just say it, anatomy, in order to classify someone as male or female. Dr. Deanna Adkins, Duke University School of medicine said that, okay? Um, Anderson, uh, in his book, goes on to state here that the core of this ideology, the core of this idea, this worldview, is a radical claim that feelings determine reality, okay? Okay? Um, so uh, this, is, uh, this is a claim uh, that is made and apparently is backed up by people who have medical credentials uh, that that's the way that it should be. Number three, third claim. 
The third claim that's made by the transgender movement is that following or expressing this inner sense of self is the path to fulfillment. Okay? If you feel this way, and after all, the way that you feel and what you feel is actually reality, then the best way for you to be fulfilled is to stop fighting it and start just following it. Follow your heart, they would say. Um, Dr. Adkins again, okay? Um, The appropriate treatment for individuals who are transgender must focus on alleviating the distress through supporting outward expressions of the gender identity and then bringing the body into alignment with that identity. In other words, the way to do this, the way to, the way to alleviate this distress is to actually change the anatomy so that their anatomy matches the way they feel. Um, has your foot ever fallen asleep? Didn't even feel like it was there. You know, just a heavy weight. It was dead. Better bring your anatomy into with your feelings. Chop it off. I mean, you know, it's just like it's not there anyway, right? Um, sorry, I'm being a little snarky right there. So, okay. um, uh, Again, speaking of therapies that try to bring the individual's identity into alignment with their anatomy, uh, Dr. Adkins again suggests here that uh, those efforts have been unsuccessful and incredibly harmful. Deep depression, psychosis, and suicide frequently result. And again, this is Dr. Adkins from the School of Medicine at Duke University who's saying that. I think we'll uh, see in the next hour uh, that her comments there are, in fact, not exactly aligned with the truth. Um, uh, surveys will tell us that. Here's what the activist treatment plan, and by the way, um, activists, again, not everybody who's, who struggles with this idea of gender identity dysphoria is an activist, and not everybody that's a transgendered person is an activist, but trust me, there are people out there who are activists, and they push for this. In Canada recently, the, the, the parent who was stripped of their rights as a parent to deny their child uh, the right to transition to whatever gender they wanted. Okay, that, that, and that's, you know, that's our northern neighbor there. They're not us, but, you know, both of our political parties are slowly taking us there. Um, here's the activist treatment plan even for children, okay? Uh, first of all, if a child identifies himself as the opposite gender... Uh, social transition, clothes, name, pronouns, and treating that child as if they were the opposite sex. That's the first step that you should take. In children as young as five, seven, eight years old, I mean, if they're identifying as the opposite, you need to recognize that that's, that's legitimate. You have to take their word for it. They know how they feel, okay? Um, once they reach, once they eat, reach approximately uh, the age of puberty, uh, chemical puberty blockers would be given to the child in order to prevent the normal process of maturation and development. Uh, one, the endocrine society, uh, which I guess is a group of medical doctors, uh, say this, that the experience of full biological puberty is an undesirable condition for someone who believes that they are the opposite sex of what they are. Um, and it may seriously interfere with healthy psychological functioning and well-being. Once, once puberty blockers have been uh, given to the child, at age 16, they will begin uh, a treatments in what's called cross-sex hormones. 
Um, boys will receive estrogen. Uh, females will receive testosterone. And by the way, uh, that is something that they will be on for the remainder of their lives. Because you can, you can, change, uh, you can change the anatomy, you can alter the anatomy, um, not to functioning anatomy, I might mention. Uh, you can alter the anatomy, but you can't change your programming. And the body is built and constructed a certain way to produce a particular hormone. And so those cross-sex hormones, they will be on those for the remainder of their lives. Um, but you begin that at age 16. Finally, at age 18 and older, uh, these patients will be uh, recommended to what's known as reassignment surgeries. Um, major portions of anatomy are removed and plastic surgery to reconstruct uh, the body in a particular fashion. Uh, it is pointed out here, some patients will undergo uh, these surgeries, uh, but many do not because the results are variable in quality and in functionality. In other words, there's no way to reproduce uh, the natural body that you were born with. There's no way to manufacture that. Uh, and so they are sacrificing even function uh, to pursue this. Okay, but following or expressing this inner sense of self is the path to fulfillment. Uh, here's the fourth claim, okay? The fourth claim by the transgender movement is that society should accept and support this inner sense of self as real and normal. In other words, everybody else, the problem is not with the transgender person. The problem is with everybody else's perception, Everybody in society needs to just accept that this is the way that it is. And that's the claim. Um, again, uh, Anderson in his book quotes from a document prepared by the ACLU, the Human Rights Campaign, Gender Spectrum, the National Center for Lesbian Rights, and I want you to listen to the last one who's involved in creating this document, the National Education Association. As a guide for public schools helping transgender students, here's the way their document begins. The expression of transgender identity or any other form of gender expansive behavior is a healthy, appropriate, and typical aspect of human development. This is normal. It's normal that people should want this, and it's normal that we should accept it and give it to them. Um, a transgender student should never be forced to use alternative facilities to make other students comfortable. So here is a guy who identifies as a girl. You should never offer him a separate transgendered bathroom just to make all of the other girls feel comfortable. They should be given a third option for where to change or where to use the bathroom, but this boy should be guaranteed and confirmed in his identity as a female. To make him use a different and separate uh, facility points him out as odd or different and doesn't affirm that what he is is normal. And this is the claim that's made by the transgender movement. Um, so the transgender movement, uh, the transgender claims, uh, are I, I think are uh, unscriptural and unbiblical, to say the least. Now... Um, so I think 
so I think the thing I think the thing that's important is first and foremost that we understand uh, what they're saying, how they're talking, what they're talking about, and what they're pushing. Okay, but what is the biblical response to it? What, what's the biblical response? I mean, look, I, I I don't know anybody. I don't know everybody here, and so I don't know. But I mean, it's it's very well, and it's very. It could be very possible um, that no one in this room has ever struggled with gender dysphoria. Possible that no one in here has ever wondered or ever doubted about what they were by gender. But there are people out there that do. So how do we biblically respond to that? How do we biblically help people? Because after all, the ideology, sure, it's crazy. There are a lot of ideologies that are, okay? Um, uh, It's crazy. Okay, but at the end of the day, what we're talking about is we're talking about trying to help people. And trying to help people with the gospel and trying to help people with the Bible and what God has said. Uh, so how do we do that? What's our response to that? Okay, And that's what I want to talk about uh, in the next hour. Okay, uh, So let's have a word of prayer and uh, then we'll take a break and uh, then we'll uh, come back.